You know what I hate about the bye week? Everything and eating crow. That's what's coming up next on this episode of Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I am your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making a Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, we are always free. And I want to thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you already haven't, if you have, thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. So it's a bye week. Got to kind of stretch out the uh, the information. And we're going to do a little another crosstalk episode with our friends from Locked On Youth, JT. And JT Wistersoul told you that uh, whoever won, we're gonna have to go back, eat a little crow. Guess what? That's me. So here we go. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to this special Locked On crossover event. JT Wistersoul of Locked On Utes, joined by Mark Culkin of Locked On USC. And you know, normally you don't do back to back crossovers, but when you have a game as good as we witnessed on Saturday, we just had to cover it a little bit more, Mark. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season, more props, odds, and lives than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Make sure you guys stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be going over some of the lines in this week's top game since we're all just normal college football fans this week, since our two teams are both on a bye going into this one. And because both sides are on a bye, we have a lot of time to sit and kind of stew on what happened in Saturday's game. And I think a lot of people are talking about our is are the refs the most to blame for USC's loss? I would still say no. I know a lot of fans would say yes. It's number one, definitely contributed. And I'm someone too. I disagreed with the roughing the passer calls. I thought both of them aren't fair. I've always been someone you give the defender two steps and if they extend their arms, that's fine. I, and that's exactly what happened in both those scenarios. So I disagreed with them. Utah got penalized by one of those against UCLA that I thought wasn't fair. And I thought the same thing happened this past weekend, to USC a couple of times as well. But at the end of the day, USC had opportunities in this game, numerous opportunities to get stops late in the game, just multiple points, and they weren't able to do so. So at the end, I would still put most of the blame, the main reason of the blame, at the defense's feet. But you definitely got to give some of that to the refs because they did hurt the Trojans in this one. Yeah, look, I, I, I wanted to come back on here, you know, make this kind of a rub my nose in the dirt type of episode because, you know, I, I predicted a – I think it was 40 to 27, 40, 24 was my final score prediction. Now I wasn't too far off from that. If we got a couple of calls uh, early in the game. So as far as how much did the officiating affect USC's the, the loss, I'll say 60, 40 um, USC was responsible for 60% of the loss. I'll put 40% on the officiating. And I really come back to, it was 14, nothing. USC, you know, they had that roughing the passer penalty that I think everybody would agree is contentious. Um, the one on Stanley Taufo, Kalen Bullock intercepts the ball in the end zone. And the way the game was going, because USC scored on their next offensive possession, the game is different when it's 21-0 versus 14-7. Because when, mm -hmm. the, when that uh, passing, when the roughing the passer penalty was called, Utah scored on the very next play from the 12-yard line. So that's how you change the complexion of the game. 
And it also affects how the defense is going to approach the game because they don't know, you know, how aggressive can I be if I can't take one and a half steps and push the guy to the ground? So on that note, you said it. There was plenty of opportunity for USC's defense to get the job done, in the second half especially. So, yeah, you would hope that the officiating wouldn't be that involved, but that's the Pac-12, you know, JT. We, we've seen this going on forever now. Um, one of my more popular tweets during the game was, this is one of the reasons why USC cannot wait to get out of this conference, just because you, you never want the officials deciding a game. And when you have a team like Utah and a team like Utah, USC, who are playing their asses off, I mean, putting laying it all on the line, you hate to see the guys in the black and white shirts being a, a determining factor. So, hey, Utah did what they needed to do. Not only did they tie the score, but, you know, Kyle Whittingham, you know, he, he went for two. He wasn't willing to, you know, go toe for toe anymore. He said, we're going to win it here, we're going to lose it, one or the other. And I give a lot of credit to that. I love that. And, you know, if, Maybe if Eric Gentry was in his middle linebacker position, um, we get the stop on rising. But it is what it is, 43-42. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, got to give credit to the Utes for making the plays. And the refs did impact both sides as well. Now, Utah still ended up scoring on that last drive. But we're just talking about official like issues. Like the Dalton-Kincaid catch on that, I can't remember. I thought it was the first down. Like first it was like – it was he looked to be a short maybe a yard or maybe right on it maybe he had it. but then it was like oh did he catch the ball and it was like well he clearly caught the ball so what are we doing here reviewing that and then the game oh. stopped for 10 minutes it's like what's going on um the usc offensive line did play a really good game but there were a couple instances as well where they did get away with some major holdings that sure. led to major gains as well so officials definitely played a role for both sides as well but i would agree just because of the roughing the passers i do think it was more of a negative for the trojans but there were a couple major swings that were helped by some holding no calls Absolutely. And here's all we need to say about this, JT. I mean, we, we can lament and go back and forth, but when you've got pretty much the entire national media going all in on the Pac-12 and the officiating and George Klyovkov and Merton Hanks. Who was there, uh, by the way. Klyovkov was there to watch this you know, awful me, yes. officiating debacle. <laughs> right. And, you know, whether or not he kind of gave a little wink, nod, nod, I'm not going to let USC leave with a conference champion, whatever. You know, that's a I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't think with, I don't think that happened. But again, I get what you're saying. You can put on your tinfoil if you want to up top conspiracy, go all in. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he was smiling throughout the whole thing, though. Just saying, because I agree, I agree with that. I think he wanted Utah to win. I agree with that. I don't think he well, the officials a twenty, but I feel like he might have wanted Utah to win because he knows they are at the moment still in the conference. So I won't disagree with that. And, and I strictly, and again, this is just is a lot of sarcasm, a lot of yeah. cynicism. <laughs> You know, I go back to the Pac-12 media day. I don't know if you were there, JT, but I was. And George went out of his way to make a couple of comments. That kind of, it was curious, you know, making sure that USC and UCLA's teams are treated appropriately until they leave along those lines. So it makes you wonder, why did you have that type of prepared statement? And then to see this happen, it's just like, all right, well, now you wonder why people put on their tinfoil hats. And it will be interesting to see what kind of treatment UCLA gets this weekend when they travel to Eugene. You and I both get to sit back and watch that play out because we have buys this week.
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting and exciting to see how it happens, and hopefully it is better because it's just a it's a bad look for the conference overall. Yes. It's still look having USC and UCLA be the top two teams in is in some is a positive and a negative for the Pac-12 in terms of right now they're still in the conference, so it shows positive growth. But at the same time, they are heading for departure, so it does hurt them as well. But so hopefully they're able to put their good their best foot out there officiating wise. Hopefully they met with them, got some things right this week, and can have a strong showing on a game that's the biggest game of this week as well, I think, in this Oregon-UCLA game versus still more eyes were on the Alabama-Tennessee game as well. So it just makes it for an interesting conflict, and we'll be interested to see if they can get the officials right and in order. And I want just to turn to another point you talked about, I just I have a very hard time believing that Kalaikoff doesn't enjoy a little bit seeing some of the teams that are staying loyal to the Pac-12 lose, I mean, win, because he wants to see teams like USC and UCLA lose a little bit. I think he likes that they're good and the conference is in a good place, but I think if you asked him, he would prefer it to be the other ones who are staying with his conference, because those are the kind of things that drive up his TV revenue. It makes him look, it makes the conference look better when you have a team like Utah showing they can play with teams like USC and UCLA still, who obviously the Big Ten as brands is going to value more, so it's a good showing for those teams like Utah, Oregon, really having a strong response after some of those opening massive opening season loss to Georgia. It's a good look for the conference, and I think it's something Kalaikov has to be encouraged by. While still wanting USC and UCLA to have a little bit of success, I think he would be also happy if maybe those two weren't in the conference championship game this season <laughs> because it means that the conference is going to be in a good place without them, and right now it looks like the conference is really going to miss them because USC and UCLA are on the uptick. Well, yeah. It's hard for me to want to say UCLA is on the uptick. They're having a great season right now. Um, we'll see how they look next year because Chip Kelly doesn't recruit very well. Um, I don't know. Yeah, DTR what, will be gone. That's fair. Right. And I don't know what's behind him as far as quality. Um, I, look, I, I thought it was a great game. Um, the, just again, on the officiating, you hate to see it get involved. Um, Utah played. I. I thought they played outstanding on offense. Mm -hmm. uh, defensively, you know, both teams struggled. Let's just be yeah. honest. And you just don't want to see the officials being the the main narrative for this conference. It's just, it's tiresome. It happens over and over and over again. And it just, it kind of, it almost takes away from Utah's win a little bit. I think in some ways it does. I think a lot of Utah fans are focusing on from the one angle of it. I think the Trojans fans are taking it from another way as well because, like we mentioned, just at the end of the game, the Trojans' defense was on the field, had a chance to get a stop, and wasn't able to do so. But as you talked about, it's unfortunate we're even talking about it at all because there were major instances in the game where it did pay big dividends as it did for both sides in some ways as well. So it's going to be interesting just to see how it plays out moving forward for the officials in the Pac-12 and how these two programs do moving forward as well. And we're going to talk about these two programs a little bit more in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Sweat Block. Guys, Sweat Block has done a great job helping people fix their problems and helping out with sweat. Sweat problems is something that we all struggle with as well. So Mark, I know it's something I've dealt with as well. And Mark, you're even pointing to yourself. What, what kind of issues have you had with it? So if there's a an ounce of humidity in the air, I could be sitting down and I will just start profusely sweating. Like I just, I would look like I just stepped out of the, out of the shower. <laughs> uh, yeah. Me and sweat and humidity are like mortal enemies. So this would be an outstanding product to, uh, to use. 
most of yeah, it. Yeah, you'd be able to fix your problem with Sweat Block. Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is a doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with the co- promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. And Mark, jumping back into this one, I think one of the things that would at least for a lot of Utah fans, or just in general, it's always fun when you're in those kind of special atmospheres as well. I look back on the BYU-Utah game last year where BYU beat Utah, and although it was obviously a, a rough day for the Utes, I can still look and be like, this is a special moment in the making for these fans, see them rush the field, see how much it means for them. You still take something from that. I think in a way as well, that's what made the Rice-Eccles game so special. Obviously, your team was on the negative end of it as well. But what's the biggest thing that stood out for you watching that final six minutes on the field and then seeing those Utah fans all rush the field as well? Well, I'm never a fan of being watching fans rush the field. That, oh, that really? Well, that doesn't happen very often against USC, but when it does... Oh, just because USC, of your opponent, I got, I got you. Too. USC's <laughs> always on the field when that happens. Um <laughs> You know, Rice Eccles had their largest crowd ever in their history. You're mm-hmm. welcome. Uh, <laughs> one of the uh, th- those last six minutes were it was a great game, and that's what I'm saying. You hate to have the officials involved. I mean, even after you guys took the lead, uh, USC returns the kick to the 50 yard line. Oh, by the way, there's a flag back there that when you go back and you look at the replay, had nothing to do with the return whatsoever. That's what always sucks when you can't play on disciplined football and you make those mistakes too. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. USC came in just about as disciplined as Utah. You guys had, a, I think, 5.3 penalties per game. USC yeah. had 6.3. You guys maintained your average. Somehow or another, USC doubled their average uh, mm-hmm. in that game. And yeah, the crowd was into it. They weren't into it that much because, again, early in the game, it was kind of silent in there. Um, hard to get loud when Caleb Williams runs for 55 yards and it takes you, what was it? Six plays to score. And they were every single time Williams had an hour to drop back, get a drink and throw in the pocket. Right. The other really special moment for me took place with about a less than a minute left. And I'm trying to watch the game unfold, but standing right behind me was Steve Smith, mm-hmm. wide receiver, Utah fan knows him. And, uh, Jordan Addison, you, the wide receiver for the Trojans who had to leave the game with a leg injury. Go to my Twitter feed. It's up there. I got like a little 10-second video of Steve Smith um, just trying to give some encouragement to Jordan. You know, from one All-Pro to a future All-Pro, he appreciated his game, liked what he saw, just kind of giving him encouragement. It was Uh one of those moments that you don't get to see very often, but I really appreciated it because Steve went out of his way to find Jordan and make that happen. He did. That was a special moment for sure as well. So I'm yeah, glad I got to be around him. You saw that too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, fantastic atmosphere. Um, I encourage anybody who's ever who's never had the opportunity to visit Rice Eccles, check it out. Uh, fun place. And you know what? Maybe we'll play you guys out of conference one time. We'll see. Yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun as well if you could and do maybe that. Maybe we'll see you again later this year. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it would be incredible. Yeah, and that's something we will get to talk about as well in a little bit. But just focusing on this game a little bit more in that as well, actually. Well, not even this game. I'm just curious now. So you said you're not a fan of rushing the crowd. When was the last time – can you not remember the last time, like, USC rushed the crowd because they – rushed the field because they got a win? Yeah, actually, it's, 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 it's funny you bring that up because we actually talked about this over on uh, wersc.com. Uh, 
this was a couple months ago I wrote about it. That I am so anti-USC fans rushing the field because it's, you know what? Act like you've been there before. <laughs> well, these kids have it. These students have it. They haven't seen these moments. They need to be able to do that. When I say you, oh, look, USC has a much deeper tradition than Utah. And that's what I'm They do, but those fans haven't, the younger fans haven't seen that. So I understand when they want to take off and rush it. It's understandable when I see the younger fans who, for me, the most, it it happened when USC beat Stanford. Now, for anybody who knows the history between USC and Stanford, you don't show Stanford that kind of respect. However, The younger fans don't understand that. They rushed the field. I think this was back in 2014. USC hadn't beaten Stanford in a while. And they were on sanctions. They rushed the field. Big moment, whatever. The only time where I feel it is an acceptable moment for USC fans to rush the field, and again, there's got to be some context behind it, is when they beat Notre Dame. That's it. No more ever. They can win the national championship. To me. I'm just an old school enthusiast. Um, I get that. Just act like you've been there before. You don't. When you've got eleven national championships, seven Heisman Trophy winners, you've been there before. You don't need to rush the field. I get the younger crowd, the younger generation. They do that. It's it's like, ooh, let's get on the field and jump up and down. Special memories, special moments as well. For me, that belongs on the basketball court. I think that's where that thing kind of started and germinated from. Leave it there. To me, it leads to special moments, though, like we saw in Tennessee, Rocky Top. I mean, you're taking the goalpost out like that. They'll be talking about that and remembering that forever. And And they beat Alabama, so it goes to your point of what you talked about as well with being a bigger program. But I also think you're talking about the history as well. I think for a lot of these fans, these people, it's about what you're doing in the current season as well, which is one of those things where USC hasn't been able to do some of those things versus Stanford, as you talked about. So it felt like it was a big moment for the program. I feel like anytime you beat a team that on paper is better than you, as in they're ranked higher than you, or just right now they're perceived as better, that's where I think it's really fun to rush the field and create such a fun, memorable atmosphere as well that people will talk about and remember, because it is such a special thing for a lot of fans to be able to rush the field. Well, since Utah's joined the conference, that was the eighth time that USC has played at Rice Eccles. Mm-hmm. You guys have beat us now five times. You've been there before. It should be you should be used to it, right? But there's a big difference now. Lincoln Riley's there. Caleb Williams is there. You're the yes. higher ranked team coming in, and you're leaving the conference as well. Perceived as the best team in the conference right now, which I I still think you're one of the best teams in there. You're right up there with UCLA. All those teams it feels like there's four elite teams in the conference right now, and I think that is why because this current USC team was perceived as better than this Utah team, and they still very well may be on a neutral field as well. It's something we might get to find out about in a few weeks if hopefully these two teams meet again, which I think would be an incredible atmosphere as well. But I really think that's why Utah rushed the field because of how much it meant for this team this season in that moment. It's a Utah team that, yes, they rushed the field last year versus Oregon as well, but even going back to like the 2019, there wasn't really an opportunity to rush the fields. And it's not often you get a top 10 ranked win at home. It just doesn't happen a lot. No, you're uh, look, like I said, I'm, I'm probably playing a little bit of a hard ass here. Yeah. This, is just, <laughs> this is just my own personal opinion. Um, and it, Again, when I don't like seeing the opposing fans rush the field, it's because that means USC lost. Yes. <laughs> I got to I gotta meander through that, and I got to deal with it. And, and just, you know. What did you get? Did you get to the press room right away as soon as it? I got there over? as quick as I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lingered for a while, if you, don't, if you find that surprising. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If I was on the other side of the coin, I would have lingered for yeah. a while. Too. But I had to watch, you know, Caleb Williams come off the field right in front of me with, you know, crocodile tears. And that 
that's how important this game was. So to see, and I think that's why there was USC fans are upset. They had already raised that bar. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they'll accept the loss, but when they saw how they lost, they're like, wait a minute, we should have won this game. And to see all those penalties and how everything kind of unfolded and to leave with you know, losing by one point, they could taste it. And going undefeated is really difficult. And have they gotten by Utah? That would have been, yes. they were on the road. So now, you know, USC fans have to kind of recalculate where they're at. One more loss is probably going to be a disappointment to everybody. Which for the national media, I think, and only a two-loss season in Lincoln Riley's first year for this team was something that would have been perceived as an extreme excess as well. You just talked about how quickly those expectations have been raised for the Trojans and this team. But, I mean, a one loss to a really good – a Utah team that hasn't lost at home since 2018 as well. It's not a bad loss. You guys are still alive for the college football playoff as well. And it's going to be a fun opportunity. I think another thing that's probably disheartening for USC fans, and this kind of segues well into the next thing I want to talk about as well, was to see, you know, it's a Utah offensive line that has struggled and to protect Cam for a couple moments of this year. Trojans not able to get a sack in this one as well. Did get one takeaway, really good job on the goal. Right on, I believe Makai Bernard was on like the five-yard line when the Trojans defender flew in, forced him to fumble. Phenomenal tackle as well, being able to jar the ball. Eric Gentry. Yes, Gentry doing a great job jarring the ball. Into the game. That's the rule. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good point, though. I mean, that is something where Cam runs in that ball there. Look, if you have a better, if you have one of your guys in there, he maybe does make that stop. Maybe Cam is able to power through and get the yards. I personally think he would be able to still, but you make a point. Definitely have a better chance to be able to do so. But for this USC team going forward, what were some of the concerns that were raised for you? Because in, in the biggest game of their season up to this point, they did come up short. Yeah. My tackling, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah fans know what that's like to worry about, by the way. 27 missed tackles in the Florida game. And especially that real ugly head again against UCLA as well for them. Yeah. Tackling. Um, not being able to get rising to the ground uh, with their pass pressure. You know, they entered this, they entered that game leading the country with 29 sacks. Mm-hmm. Now you brought up holding that USC got away with, and there were some evident ones. I could show you some a couple for sure. Goes both that holding is something that goes both ways. Absolutely, Absolutely. you probably call it on every play if you want to. Really good, yeah. <laughs> so it's the ones that are obvious that really bug mm-hmm. everybody. Um, so not being able to get to Cam Rising was something that ob- obviously had an effect on the game. Uh, watching Dalton Kincaid go from a I'm just going to call him a career backup to an NFL All Pro in one game was kind of well. Um, he's not really a career backup. I think that's kind of what I mean. because well, no, but he, him, and Brent Keithy are like. The, the, one of the best tight end duos in the country as well. And just Keithy's a really good receiver, but Kincaid, Kincaid was the one who was offered a million by Alabama to come down there and be their top tight end as well. Almost everyone has him as one of the five best tight ends in college football a lot as well. So Kincaid's a guy a lot of people knew about and someone you credited as well going into last week's show. You said he was one of the guys the Trojans had to stop. And that's that's to my point is I saw what you see, you know, what Utah's offense was. Mm-hmm. It was Cam Rising, stop the running game and stop Dalton Kincaid. They didn't stop Dalton Kincaid. They stopped the running game. I'm not going to say they contained rising, but they oh, we are rising at a career day. So had a career day, but it wasn't, it wasn't like he was controlling the game as much as Dalton, Dalton Kincaid caught a five yard pass. And now he's running for 13 more yards because mm-hmm. he was can't tackle him. 16 for 16 targets and receptions, 234 yards. You know, at some point, you got to figure that out. 
And to me, it was disappointing that they couldn't break up one pass. They couldn't find, they couldn't, well, we've talked about the officiating enough. That to <laughs> me was the biggest issue. Uh, that pass catching reception, uh, the pass catching receptions between Rising and Kincaid. Yeah, credit to Cam Andals, and as you mentioned, had a great day. I think for Utah as a concern just going forward, it is the pass rush on the other side for me. I mean, you just look at Caleb Williams had all day to throw, and regardless of if there was one or, like I said, a couple big holding penalties in this game, they just were not able to get pressure enough frequently. So that's something they have to improve on going forward. Got to be able to get pressure with four. That was a good adjustment Utah made in the second half, was bringing a couple of those exotic blitzes. That was Clark's first sack of the year. I can't even really remember another time he blitzed on the season. Karene Reed did a good job coming in as well. So it's good to have effective blitz packages but sometimes you've got to be able to get home with four and that's one thing this utah team just wasn't able to do so hopefully they're able to take some time during the bye week work on their pass rush moves a little bit and something they can get a little better at during the season but personally i think it is going to be an issue all season long for this utah team you know and if you're using you know usc and caleb williams as your benchmark or your gauge i would use that as an outlier um you did sack them four times you, you did, but it was with blitzes. And a couple of those as well, it was on after he had over three seconds. If you have over three seconds in the pocket, the offensive line has done their job to me. And there were way too many moments where that was the case. That was, that, but that's my point. The fact that you were able to get to him and get him to the ground, that's actually a good thing. Everybody else, I, they, Caleb makes everybody else look bad. And he made, you know, he had his moments where he made Utah look bad as well. But the fact that yes. four sacks is four sacks. Put that feather in your cap. Take it. Run with it. It is something. You're right. Like I said, I just wanted to see more consistent pressure from this unit, especially yeah. early on because I felt like it didn't come until you blitz. But something not a lot of teams have been able to do. And you can see on full display there why Caleb Williams is such an electric and fantastic player as well. His, the pass he one had on the third down where he was rolling to the right and just dropped it in the bread basket of, I think it was Mario Williams down the sideline. is one of the best throws I've seen in a game, honestly, in person that I can remember by a college quarterback. So I am really excited just to continue to watch him grow and develop as a guy I think has a really good chance to be the first overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. From your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, I think the final thing to talk about with this game is, do you believe we will see these two teams meeting in the Pac-12 championship come December 2nd? You know, I would. I want this I want this rematch really badly as a fan. Mm -hmm. I, I just, just, it was a fun game to watch, and I would it love was. to see two teams play on a neutral field. Um. That UCLA-Oregon game, I think, if UCLA pulls that out, which I'm not sure they're going to be able to up at Oregon. It's a tough place to play. I know. Um, this will be UCLA's real first test. Uh, they had Utah at home. Yeah, it's a test, but now they're on the road. This is their second game on the road. Their only other one was at Colorado. Mm -hmm. well, a little bit different going to Eugene than going to Boulder this year. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. Okay. Right now. I, I just, I can't just because there's too many scenarios playing out. Um, you've got USC, you've got Utah, you've got Oregon and UCLA who's still undefeated. Oregon is still undefeated in conference. Talk, too hard to tell. I don't know the, how those tiebreakers play out. 
it is very difficult to tell. But after what I saw on Saturday, I'm ready to say it. I believe those two teams come December will be the two best teams in this conference. I think Utah is going to win out. They're going to get a win at Oregon. I also do believe – I think UCLA is going to fall this weekend. I believe they're one of the best teams in the – exactly, yes. I believe they're one of the best teams in the pack and playing that way right now. You just mentioned that home field advantage with Oregon as well. I just feel like they're going to fall on that one, and I feel like the Trojans are going to get them later on as well. I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA is able to continue to keep it going and able to do some really good things. It's a really good Chip Kelly-led team. But personally, I feel like we're going to see the rematch. I hope so. And if it means anything, if Utah fans want to get something out of this, you're kind of pissed off USC. Yeah. <laughs> we know. We definitely did. We could tell that. I mean, you could see Caleb Williams' emotion in the locker room as well. You were the one who asked the question mark in the postgame. I saw to Tuli as well. He just looked like he wanted to rip someone's head off. So, Yeah. When you – Tuli, this year – especially he has become a very outspoken um, very gregarious person for him to sit there and have that thousand yard stare um he yeah he was mad he usually you can't shut him up yeah so yeah and he was not talking there i noticed as well so it's going to be fun and interesting to see if this rematch does happen again there's so many exciting storylines that may play out in this one as well but we have to wait a while to do that both our teams are currently on a bye week so we're going to have an opportunity to talk about some of the fun exciting games coming up this coming college weekend in a second and those of course are going to be brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source for football betting info this season find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find and as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games and events that of course include major league playoffs guys you know as well football of course is phenomenal every saturday and sunday just because your team isn't playing doesn't mean you can't get in on the action and the nba season's always just started up as well so lots of fun things to bet on head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts and mark sticking with bet online to um locked on youths every week we do our Best big game bets of the week segment. We take, talk about the five biggest games on the college football slate and talk about the lines in them and see how we see them playing out. And let's get it started with Syracuse going to take on Clemson. 14 versus five in this one. Clemson favored by 13 and a half. And look, Syracuse has been a really fun story this year. It's been really cool to see them kind of emerge and be able to keep this momentum going to their 6-0 record at the moment. But DJ Uyungalele is playing really good football right now. It's really hard to win in Death Valley. And I do think Clemson's going to win. And I think they cover. Yeah, it's not so much their offense at Clemson. As you know, DJ is playing much better this season. Mm -hmm. Their defense is really starting to that come defensive out. line is nasty. Right. And that's going to be the downfall for Syracuse. Have this been if this was being played in the carrier dome, who knows? But yeah, like you mentioned, Death Valley, that's a that's a different place. Move from one Death Valley to another Ole Miss with former Utah Utah quarterback in Jackson. I should say quarterback who played in Utah. I didn't go to Utah. Corner Canyon oh, high school graduate. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. I even didn't even I forgot about that. So Jackson Dart, former Trojan quarterback, as you mentioned, leading the Ole Miss Rebels down near the other Death Valley. LSU and LSU is favored in this one just barely by two. And honestly, I don't see it. I think Jane Daniels is coming off a good game, but I really like what I've seen from Lane Kiffin's squad. And I think it's they're another group defensively as well. Dart's doing some things on offense, and their rushing attack is very impressive. But defensively, they, they've been really able to get after it this season. And I see Ole Miss being able to definitely cover in this one. And I just think they're going to outright win. Yeah, I was like, take the points, and Ole Miss is going to leave Death Valley with a victory. Absolutely. Lane Kiffin. Um, 
Ole Miss, LSU, these guys, you know, a little bit of a border rivalry there. And uh-huh. Lane Kiffin was at USC. Brian Kelly was once at Notre Dame. Jackson Dart. Uh, yeah. Lane Kiffin will make sure that uh, Brian Kelly remembers Lane Kiffin's name. Very true. And you know, also you mentioned Jackson Dart. What did you think about him last year with the Trojans as well? And before Caleb Williams became a possibility, how did you feel about moving forward with him as the quarterback at USC? Jackson Dart has that swagger. He yes. ha- he's, he's a dude. He's a guy who players gravitate towards. Um, he's not afraid of taking risks or chances. So, you know, no risk it, no biscuit type of guy. <laughs> um, no, he's someone you – I like him a lot. You know, there was a reason why his recruitment took off uh, his senior year at Corner Canyon. He was yes. lighting, you know, he was just lighting up scoreboards like it was a video game. And in the Lane Kiffin offense, watch out. Yeah, we're going to continue to grow and get better in that offense as well with more reps, more games, more time also. And I love that you mentioned the swagger. That's something I haven't interviewed him a couple of times when he was in high school. That was evident as well. And it was just it's impressive to see a freshman carry that in to his first season as well. Now going on his sophomore year at Ole Miss, been able to do that and help the Rebels be the seventh best team ranking wise in the country at this moment. Now, look, let's talk about it. It's the biggest game of the Pac-12 this week. The one that got game day. It's well, of course, Utah USC was supposed to have it. Unfortunately, the Utes didn't keep up their end of the bargain on right. that one. What's yeah, going? Yeah. <laughs> going into this week, game day, going to UCLA at Oregon top 10 matchup nine versus 10 Oregon favored by six and as I mentioned, I do think the Ducks are going to cover in this one. I think Bo Nix is playing really good football. I think he's going to be able to continue to do that against a pretty good UCLA defense as well. I just think they're going to feed off the energy, and Dan Lanning is going to get the biggest win to this point. Of Yes, the BYU win was nice, but getting a top-10 win at home is going to lead to a big win, and I think they're going to cover. And you know what? If they're able to win this one, Mark, I think they're rushing the field as well. Your favorite thing. <laughs> I will be okay with this if that happens. Look, I hate UCLA. I loathe, I loathe <laughs> Oregon. And it's not so much I loathe the team as much as I loathe their fans. Mm-hmm. I refer to Oregon fans as the least sophisticated fans in the Pac-12 conference. Um, so anybody Did you tell Spencer that, that, by the way? Oh, I tell him that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it would be in USC and Utah's best interest for Oregon to win the game. Agreed. Obviously. Uh you know, you've got the Chip Kelly reunion bowl going on up there as well. It's going to be interesting. Oregon, you know, coming into the season, was they were supposed to be a defensive team. And when I heard you say Bo Nix is playing great football, I've never heard Bo Nix and great football used in the same sentence before, but you figured out how to do it. Uh, will he be able to stay, you know, continue playing well in a high-pressure situation? Big game, you brought it up. I expect Oregon to win at home. I'm not. What did you say the line was? The line was six in this one. Yeah, um, I can see Oregon winning by 14, just because mm-hmm. once things start to snowball for UCLA, we don't know how they're going to react under you know under adverse circumstances. Let's see what happens. The reason I say Bonick's playing great football, by the way, you look at his last couple of games and going back in those as well, or excuse, actually went the wrong way for that one as well. But you look at it, scored two touchdowns, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, guiding the offense up and down the field. So maybe great was a little bit much, but I do think he's playing. Will you give me really good football right now? Sure. There we go. <laughs> he hasn't turned all over, right? That, so I guess that's a positive. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it in this one, but going to be a fun showdown in the Pac-12 regardless. Great to have him back at 
have a game at game day as well. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Another game on the horizon as well that should be a lot of fun is Texas taking on Oklahoma State. Texas in this one is favored by six and a half, actually, which is very interesting, honestly. Just looking at the kind of season that Oklahoma State's been able to have. Spencer Saunders has done a really good job. And seeing as this one is in Stillwater. So once again, very surprised that it's yep. Texas is favored. I'm not going to pick Texas to cover in this one. I, I think Oklahoma State will. But I, I do expect the Longhorns to win. Like, I really like Bijan Robinson. I think that this Texas team is playing really good football at the right time right now and Quinn Ewers is one of the best stories I feel like as well in terms of just his getting knocked out with injury maybe they're able to beat Alabama if he stays healthy in that game as well since he's come back they've been really good so I feel like Texas is going to win but I feel like Oklahoma State at least covers this one because this is going to come down to the wire in Stillwater oh I got I got the Cowboys winning in Stillwater yeah and again this they're coming they're going to have a little bit extra motion you know they're Mm kind of like that step Redheaded stepchild, hey, Texas and Oklahoma got invited to the SEC, but we didn't. And we're going to remind Texas that we're still kind of good over here. Uh, yeah, I, I see uh, Gundy and his, he's a man and he will coach his guys up to be men against Texas as well. It's going to be a fun one. The Big 12 has been really fun this season with all the teams back and forth. It's unfortunate Kansas lost their starting quarterback a few weeks ago, or they could be another fun team that's still in the mix of this one. So two ranked matchups left in this one. We're only going to talk about one of them because, look, Alabama is at home versus Mississippi State. That's six versus 24 in that one. Everyone already thinks Bama's going to blow them out. The line's 21. I think we both do as well if we're going to get a quick one in there. So I'd rather talk about Kansas State TCU. And Horn Frogs have been another really fun story this season. Max Dugan has done a really good job as well. Sonny Dykes arguably the coach of the year in the Big 12 as well, has his team ranked 8th, 6-0 on the season. Kansas State has been a fun story, but I do like the Horned Frogs. It's a, they're favored by 3.5. I think they're going to cover in this one and get a nice win at home as well. And that's a really fun atmosphere to watch a game I'll throw in too. They'll get fired up down in Fort Worth. No, it, TCU at home, absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, Kansas State, they're playing well, but home field advantage, it, it means something in college more than anywhere else. Um, compared to the NFL, home field advantage means a lot. I mean, you end up having your fans rush the field after wins. So, right? Love that it comes full circle as we close this one out. So thank you guys so much for listening to this joint crossover between Locked On Utes and Locked On Trojan. Make sure you head over to Twitter. Follow Mark at Mark Colkin. Follow me as well at GT Wistersill on Twitter. And Mark, hopefully we're doing another one of these come that first week of December. I'll see you in Vegas, man. (laughs) that will be the goal. Thank you all for listening to this Locked On crossover. Have a great day.